You're listening to a Church Doctor production. Welcome to Kent Hunter's Prescriptions from a Church Doctor, presented by Church Doctor Ministries. Welcome to this episode, episode 9 of Mission Possible, How Everyday Ordinary Christians Become World Changers. Oh, is this exciting. Uh, On this episode, we're going to talk about how Jesus is our model and how we're really supposed to be those contagious Christians that um, can be uh, ordinary Christians but be world-changing missionaries to those around us. And uh, I want to begin by telling you about John 5:19. You've probably heard it before. Jesus said, I only do what I see the Father doing, which is really an interesting statement when you think about it. I only do what I see the Father doing. So where do you see what the Father is doing? Well, a good place to start would be the Bible. And uh, if you're looking at the mission of the New Testament church, a great place to focus would be the New Testament. And, of course, that's where we see this statement of Jesus from John 5:19. I only do what I see the Father doing. You know, what he's saying there is that, you know, you can come up with all sorts of gimmicks and gadgets and programs and activities for a corporate church. But you need to ask the question, are you doing what you see the Father doing? Where did you see the Father working in mission in the New Testament? You saw the Father doing, working through Jesus, through his disciples, through the church. And I want you to know that the basis of All of our work at Church Doctor Ministries is this platform of what does the New Testament teach us about how to be effective missionaries. And so we developed this training called the Send Movement. It is not a new or another program. In fact, it is not a program at all. It is a training effort. It is a discipling effort, like Jesus did with the disciples. Did it take a while? You bet it did. I mean, he spent, what, probably three years with the 12, and uh, Paul then discipled Timothy. And I mean, we know how this works. It's a training mechanism, and uh, that's what uh, this podcast is all about. Mission Possible, How Everyday and Ordinary Christians Like You Become World Changers, Changing the Lives of People for Eternity. So the whole point of the SEND movement and all the teaching here in this podcast and in the actual SEND movement that churches are involved with, uh, the whole point is to identify what God is already doing and join him there. And that's a lot different than saying, okay, anybody got an idea of how we can reach our world for Jesus, our community, our neighborhood? How can we grow our church? Anybody got some ideas? Let's get our heads together here and think something up. 
Not at all. It is to identify what God is already doing and joining him there. So, everything that I have shared so far in these episodes, including here in episode 9, I've already seen. I've seen God at work. I have experienced it. I have seen it being blessed by God in ways I have never seen before. So, you will see it too if you live a few more years, maybe up to 10 years, maybe 20 years or more. Uh, You will either see it in your church and in your ministry, or if you are willing to be inquisitive, you will see it somewhere else. And uh, it's very easy to do this in the world we live in today. There are churches that are plateaued, dying, declining everywhere. But just down the road, there are churches that are growing, reaching people, changing lives. God is using them to just turn around people from unbelievers to believers. It's not hard to find. Whether or not you see it in your church will greatly depend on some choices you will make probably within the next 24 to 48 months, two to four years, or maybe five. Time will tell, and you will know. We are right now in history, in the latter days, the end times of the hinge point of history from one epoch to another. Uh, Epochs go about every 500 years. And it has happened uh, every 500 years. Uh, The last big epoch in Christian history was the Reformation. And here we are 500 years later, almost to the day, to the year, to the decade, Definitely in a transition opportunity time. And with every epochal change, there is a tremendous opportunity. And it's there, whether you take hold of it or not. But it's a reality. We are on the verge of world revival. It may not seem like it to you. It may not feel like it at your church. But in world history, every 500 years, there have been these epochal renewals, revivals of the Christian faith. So I want to ask you a pretty personal question. As a Christian, are you doing, as as a member of a church, are you doing, as, as a staff person in a church, Are you really going to do what actually counts, what makes a difference? That probably depends on whether you are focused on success, that is immediate, short-term, temporal success, or is your life dedicated to that which is significant? 
Now, when it comes to faith in Jesus, there is nothing more significant in all of history, in all of creation, in all the world. I want to share with you a true story. You can look this up if you want to. It's in the book of uh, the Guinness Book of World Records. It has a section about a man who grinds up metal in glass and eats it over time. Over the last several years, this man has eaten six bicycles. He has also eaten four chandeliers. In Caracas, Venezuela, over a, a long period of time, he ground up and ate a Cessna airplane. Now, <laughs> think about this. Is this success or significance? Or is it just plain nuts? <laughs> I don't know. Anyway, now can you imagine this guy, when this guy someday stands before the Lord, whether it's in welcome or in judgment, he will stand before the Lord like all of us will. And the Lord says to this man, well, what did you do with your life? And the man replies, I once ate an airplane. I got to believe the Lord would be hard-pressed to say those famous words we all want to hear as Christians. And those words are, well done, good and faithful servant. So I want to talk a little bit about a little different kind of enterprise, a divine enterprise, a kingdom enterprise, the Jesus enterprise. In fact, some years ago, I wrote a book, which was very popular, still very popular, actually. It's called The Jesus Enterprise, and the subtitle is really instructive. The Jesus Enterprise with the subtitle Engaging Culture to Reach the Unchurched. It was published by Abingdon Press. And even though it's a little dated, it is really universal truth, and it's still available, the Jesus Enterprise. So let's say you get God's call to reach unchurched people in an unchurched people group in northwest Thailand near the River Kwai and the Burmese-Myanmar border. I've been there, and I'm speaking with some experience here. I've done some mission work there and trained some leaders there. Anyway, let's say you get the call to be a missionary, leave everything behind, and you end up in this northwest corner of Thailand. What do you do? You go into a village where no one's a Christian. What would you do? Would you build a church building, put up a sign, invite everyone to come? I got news for you. That would most likely fail or very slowly take decades to establish what we might call a beachhead of Christianity in that area of Thailand. So, as a missionary, trained to be a missionary, what would you do? Well, the first thing you would do would be practice what's called ethnology. Now, you know what it means to be an ethnic, and you know what ethnic groups are. 
And there'll be more on this later as we continue in another episode. But ethnology is what missionaries are trained to understand. It is the discipline of investigation, diagnosis, through the fine arts of listening and learning. Ethnology is getting inside the hearts, inside the shoes, inside the lives of the people you're trying to reach. Learning how those people think. How do they express joy? What makes them sad? It is basically learning the culture of that unique ethnic group or person or groups of people. It is to discover what needs they feel, their felt needs, missionaries call them, the felt needs that exist in that people group. In fact, if you've ever wondered, why does God allow problems, difficulties, famines, diseases, tragedies? Why does God even allow that? Well, it is a result of the reality of sin in a fallen world. But why does he continue to allow that stuff, which disrupts and hurts our lives so much? Well, I don't know if you've ever thought about this, but those things exist as an open door for Christians like you and me to share love and build relationships in order to provide a platform to tell people about Jesus who makes all the difference whether you live or die because it makes a difference for eternity. So, back to Northwest Thailand. Let's say you discover this village has a terrible problem with dysentery. People are sick in great numbers, but they don't know why. And then you discover that their wastewater mingles with their drinking water. They drink out of the same stream where their wastewater pollutes the stream. But they don't know that, which is very common among tribal people in remote places. So the way you begin your ministry is to not build a church building, but to dig a well. So, and here's a real important part of the story. You ask a few of the villagers to help you and you promise them that you're going to help people become well. And over time, you get the well done, and the village gets clean water, and lo and behold, more people are well more often. Now, the key dynamic to this isn't water or wells. It's the relationships with those who helped you dig the well. You watch among these people and the recipients of clean water, those people in the village, you watch for receptivity. And when you see that receptivity through the bond of your relationship, you share good news. You disciple them for months and maybe even for years. And that's how missionaries bring the gospel to villages all over the world. It is what Jesus did. 
He healed the sick. In the process, he developed a relationship, and he introduced them to eternal life. This is not rocket science. Think about it. And if you want to learn more, read the book, The Jesus Enterprise. To boil it down, it goes like this, and there are three steps. I didn't say they were easy steps. I just said there are three steps. The first one, number one, meeting a felt need, the, a need that people feel. Now, why would you do that? Not just as a gimmick to share Jesus, but it's the right thing to do. It's what Christians do. That's what love for all people is all about, right? But it's step number one, meeting a felt need, because it's the right thing to do. Step number two, in the process, developing a relationship of integrity. Developing a strong, honest, true relationship. Because that's the platform, that's the context of reaching people for Jesus. Then step number three is traveling the bridge of the relationship to share the gospel. Now, think about this. How far is this from the crazy idea that in a mostly secular nation that like America has become, that you put a sign out front of your church saying everyone is welcome, no relationship of integrity, just a sign, just an advertisement. That's not the way the gospel travels. Not even inviting a stranger or someone who's a neighbor who's unchurched to church. Not if you haven't developed that relationship. That relationship is key. So, how would you as a Christian like to go door to door and talk to strangers, interrupt their dinners, and recognize those strangers aren't really listening, and try to invite them to a church that they don't even understand what it's about? And they don't, if they're not Christians. My point is this. Relationships change that relationships change everything. You may have heard the scripture, faith comes by hearing, and hearing comes by preaching the word of God, sharing the God of, word of God. But if you're sharing it with a stranger, it doesn't come by hearing. It bounces off by definition. So, on a mission field, many are not listening. It's still true. Faith comes by hearing. It doesn't say faith comes by talking. You need to be heard. I want to share with you a true story. It's a story that happened to me, and it's actually just the way it happened. It's a little embarrassing for me, but you won't forget it. I promise you. It's a true story. Years ago, I'd been traveling, consulting churches, and finally made it home. Great to be home. Our kids were young, and I was looking forward to time at the dinner table, which was considered sacred time. Didn't like interruptions, 
didn't answer the phone at the dinner table with the kids because I'm gone a lot. So as we talked across the table, I asked my wife, Janet, how things had gone while I was away. And she indicated that things were fine except our vacuum cleaner had broken. She said she needed a new vacuum cleaner. And we talked about it, how we should start looking for one of those vacuum cleaners at some time in the future. For my wife, sometime in the near future. <laughs> at just about that time, a man came to our door and knocked. Well, I didn't want to interrupt the dinner table, but I got up and went to the door with the intention of quickly dismissing whoever was interrupting our sacred family time at the dinner table. And when I opened the door, there stood a man I had never met who said, Hi, I am a door-to-door -door vacuum cleaner salesman, and I'm selling the very best vacuum cleaner that is available anywhere. It is not sold in stores, but it is the very best you'll ever find. Wow. What do you think I did? Actually, I told the guy I wasn't interested. I told him we were eating dinner, and I didn't want to talk about it. I went back to the table. My wife said, who was that? And I said, oh, it was just a salesman. <laughs> I know it's a little embarrassing, but it's the absolute truth. So here's my point. Did we have the need? Like, you know, lost people need Jesus? Did we have the need? Absolutely. We just talked about it. But here's the real issue. People need salvation. We know that. They need Jesus. We know that. They need hope. They need direction. They need purpose. And all the other things that life with God gives us. Absolutely they need it. So why didn't I talk to this man? Because I didn't know him. He was a stranger. We had no relational platform, no relationship. There was no credibility. Well, I'd like to tell you the story ends there, but it doesn't. The story doesn't end there. About a week later, my wife got together for lunch with one of our best friends, our pastor's wife, Cindy. While eating lunch, Cindy asked my wife how things were going, and Janet said, well, right now, I'm in the market for a vacuum cleaner. Do you know of a good brand or what store is best to shop? Cindy said, well, that's a funny thing you asked. Just a week ago, we had a man come to the door, and I wasn't doing anything at the time. My husband, Paul, was at church working, so I stopped and talked to the man at the door. He said he had the best vacuum cleaner available. So I invited him in, listened to his demonstration, and I was very impressed. Paul came home at the end of the demonstration, and I talked to him about how impressed I was with this vacuum cleaner, and so we decided to buy it. Then Cindy gave the salesman card to my wife, Janet. The next day, Janet called the number on the card and made an appointment for the man to come that night. When he arrived, guess what? It was the same guy. We, 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 yeah, we were ready and eager to buy.
Why? You see, his product didn't change a bit. The same type of vacuum cleaner. Nothing had changed there. The quality was the same as it was the first time I met him at the door. Our need hadn't changed either. We needed a vacuum cleaner the first time I met this guy, and we still needed it when he returned. What was the difference? Cindy. She was a credible witness. She is for us a significant other, someone who has a lot of influence in our lives. And yeah, we, we bought the vacuum cleaner. And that is the power of relationships. Not the power of vacuum cleaners. It is the power of relationships. You see, the gospel moves best across relationships, one-on-one -on -one contacts with people who build relationships with others, and then, and this is important, share their story of faith, how they found the answer, Jesus, the answer to their greatest need. And that, my friend, is how the expansion of God's kingdom takes place. Well, in our next episode, episode 10, we're going to begin by talking about the training as missionaries. And the word missionary, don't let us scare you. A missionary is anyone who feels that they are called which all Christians are supposed to be called, and sent to other people to share what God has done in their lives. And there are some basics that go along with training for mission. And so that's what we do in the SEND movement. It is a more expanded, significant, over a, a, a period of time, training which anybody, any Christian, even young Christians, even young people who are, are Christians, uh, anybody that is eager and willing to learn, we can learn the basics of what missionaries are trained to do. And so, as we get into that, I hope you're excited because... These are just, uh, this is kind of an introduction to what the SEND movement is all about. And um, anybody can learn this. Now, honestly, not everybody in your church is ready to learn this. So the worst thing you could do is get in a pulpit and preach all this to the people, everybody in church. Because while everybody may be saved, they may be Christians, they may be believers, whatever, however you want to describe it but they may not be ready for that next step of being sent, being a sent person, being a missionary to the people, even in their own social network, who are not Christians. And we'll talk about that, those people that are ready and eager now. But it can start small. Jesus started small. It started with 12. Started a worldwide mission with 12 people.
And there's a small group of people in every church, I absolutely promise and guarantee, in every church, that are ready now. And as they get trained, like an infection, a holy infection, it will spread to a few others in the church, and then they will be ready. And so the movement moves. Don't even think about a top-down program or preaching from the pulpit. It doesn't work that way. It moves from one person to the other, which when you think about it, the whole New Testament reflects. So, next episode, we'll look at training as missionaries and start the journey that can change your life and through you change the world and through you change the eternal destiny of people you already know who don't know Jesus. If that doesn't excite you, not much will. Pray about it. Lord, I pray that you'll ignite in us a passion to reach that person we know that we can name that person on our phone directory who does not yet know you. Give us the willingness to put a toe in the water little by little to become a missionary to those in our social networks. In Jesus' name, and all God's people say, Amen. Amen. You have been listening to Kent Hunter's Prescriptions from a Church Doctor, presented by Church Doctor Ministries. If you've liked this episode, please leave a review on Apple Podcasts and subscribe to hear future episodes. Check out Kent Hunter's new book, Restoring Civility, Lessons from the Master, available at Amazon.com.